0: introduce you to everyone here uh everybody this is brian slago he's the ceo of metal blade records i'm sure you're all familiar with who he is but i have to introduce him of course uh brian i'm really happy uh you were you wanted to do this with me today i've been doing this podcast like i said since about june i believe it was and actually the first person the first guest i had on here was brody from rivers and Nile. oh nice yeah so he was my first guest ever
1: very cool
0: yeah so as you know i've been working with those guys for six years now i think it's been it's been a minute fast dude it does and it's it's weird when i think about it with them because they're like they're one of my favorites and i love those guys to death and like uh just thinking about that i'm like man i really did start working with them in like 2015 (laughs) it's fucking wild dude but anyway, so I'm really stoked that you're here. Um, obviously, today is kind of a big day because this thing is going to be on the front page of Twitch, which is wild to me. <laughs> I do, awesome. Yeah, I do have to thank my friend Fred at Twitch, which I think you guys know as well. Um, he's a great fucking dude, and he's been helping me a lot with the podcast and everything. I've actually been uploading them to uh, all the platforms recently. So Spotify, Apple, the whole nine, Amazon, so everyone can listen to them because at first I started the podcast just being like, this is a live thing. We don't have live shows right now. So I want the, I want to make this thing special. Like we're going to a show in a sense. And, uh, I was just like, I'm just doing it on Twitch and I'll upload it to YouTube later. And then recently Fred was like, you know, man, you should put it on every platform. You might get, you know, new people that listen to podcasts on Spotify or Apple or whatever. That have a Twitch and they'll come over and I'm like, you're right, that could happen. <laughs> so I was like, fuck it, I'll throw it on everything.
1: Yeah, got to get as many people as you can. Huh? <sighs>
0: yeah, you got it, man. Every there's too many platforms. It's like, how do you keep up with all this shit? And then I gotta book tours. The fuck. <laughs> but anyway, um, let's let's go back in time a little bit. You grew up in L.A., right? Yep. And uh, when did you start getting into like metal music? What were like some of the first bands that you were like shown?
1: So I wasn't really a big, uh, a big music person necessarily growing up as a kid. I didn't really have anybody in my family who was a musician or anything. I, you know, I heard just whatever was on the radio when I was a kid. But when I was 11 years old, I went to uh, one of my cousin's houses, and he played me Machine Head by Deep Purple. Oh. and something just went whoa what is this and uh completely thought it was amazing went out and bought the record and a used store <laughs> yeah the following day and then about you know i don't know a week or so later my neighbor goes oh hey if you like deep purple you should check out black sabbath so i've heard sabbath bloody sabbath by black sabbath wow and that was pretty much the end of it i just went down into the, into the rabbit hole after that
0: it just went from there jeez
1: yeah, I was still lucky, uh, really lucky. There was uh, kind of an uh, obscure FM radio station called K-West back in the, when I was growing up in the 70s, okay. mid-70s, and um, way before you and most of your people out there were born. But anyway, uh, <laughs> true. <laughs> but they were playing Kiss, Judas Priest, UFO, like all this stuff that i had never heard of before. And that's kind of really where I got uh, so much information and found out a lot about a lot of these bands. That's awesome.
0: It's definitely like, I mean, even like when I was younger, growing up, I think, well, my parents, actually my dad and my mom were the ones that showed like, we're always playing like Black Sabbath and stuff and Def Leppard and Van Halen and everything. And that like opened the doors and I was really into those bands. Then I found, I'll never forget in fifth grade, I found Rage Against the Machine. (laughs) Uh, In fifth grade, my friend who was like a little bit older, I think he was in seventh or eighth grade, lived on the same neighborhood as me. He, uh, he was like, yo. Buy this record, Evil Empire. And I bought that and I was like, holy shit, what is this? You know? And then I think after, I don't know, like eighth grade, I got into like new metal, and then it went into like cannibal corpse and just death metal opened up the world. And I found out about Metal Blade records and nuclear blast and everything. And it was just like the floodgates opened <laughs> into the world of metal. So you started a fanzine, a fanzine, I never pronounced the word right. Uh, Called the new heavy metal review. Um, What made, what influenced you to start that up?
1: So I really got into that whole uh, scene in England, the new uh, wave of British heavy metal. Yeah. And just everything about it, the independence of it, all this sort of stuff. And there were some some fanzines over there, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, not just in England, but in Europe that I was really into. Okay, uh, I thought was really cool, and, and in L- in America nobody knew anything about this thing. Certainly nobody in Los Angeles had heard anything about it. Yeah, and except for I think I had two friends at the time that uh, that <laughs> one of which you, <laughs> you all probably know very well. But um, so I just kind of thought like, well, you know, there needs to be something here, you know, some mechanism here for us to kind of talk about that. So. Again, being a big fan of all those zines in, uh, that was happening over in Europe, I just thought, well, I'll, I'm gonna start a fanzine over here. Why not? So I just, uh, one, one a friend of mine and I just wrote a bunch of articles and I typed it out on a typewriter and pieced <laughs> it together. And the first copy was just Xeroxed. <laughs> and, uh, but I was able to sell a couple hundred of them. So actually, you know, people out there kind of, wow kind of were into it. And then it just kind of went from there. And we did, uh, it only lasted about a little over a year. or So we did nine oh. issues of it, but it was fun. Damn, that's a lot.
0: I mean, then then that was like, then you put together that compilation album, right? Was that like yeah, right so, after?
1: Yeah, so I was kind of at that point. I, I, the fanzine started first. Mm. And then I ended up starting working at the record store, uh, which was another kind of monumental moment for me, just being for, number one at a record store as a dream. And then be able to bring all this, you know, I was bringing all the new wave, British, Judy Metal, all the stuff, and then turning on turning people onto it, which was super fun. Mm-hmm. So at one point I was working at the record store, one day and I had no idea there was anything going on in L.A. at the time. And it, you know, one of the guys who would come in a lot uh, said, "Hey, you know, there's heavy metal bands here in L.A." I said, "There are." They said, "Yeah." So the first show I went to was uh, Rat mm-hmm. and Motley Crue for a dollar at uh, the Troubadour in Los Angeles on a Wednesday night.
0: Oh my god! Said, oh wow! And they were one both one dollar. Yeah. Yeah,
1: one dollar. <laughs> Nobody knew who they were. there's probably like 100 people there or something. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. They were were both really good, but much heavier than they ended up being in in the end. But I was like, wow, this is really cool. Then I started learning about more bands. Mm -hmm. Then, uh, you know, a lot of the guys who were coming to the store were all on local bands, too. Like like David from Bitch was one of my really good friends. He came in a lot. So I found that all these bands existed in in Los Angeles that I had no idea. And, you know, obviously this is 1981, way prior to internet or anything. Anything, yeah. Nobody knew these bands existed. That uh, was really a, a bummer for me that, like, here's all these great bands and nobody knows they're out there. Mm-hmm. So, again, being influenced by the new of your British heavy metal uh, and all the kind of indie compilations that they did, I thought, well, maybe I'll put together a compilation album of LA metal bands. I called the distributors that I was working with at the record store and said, hey, if I put together this album, would you guys sell it? And they all said, sure. So then I went oh. about asking all the bands, like, hey, if you can get me a track, I can put, put throw it on there.
0: And there. Yeah. And it was just born from there, and that sold like what, like five thousand copies. Like, how... well, who
1: knows? <laughs> who really knows? Uh, so uh, I, I did initial run of twenty five hundred. So I could okay, to yeah, get that together. Uh, and then I had no money, but it sold out. And another company came in and said, "Oh, you know, we'll, we'll you know, we'll make it for you." And They ended up never paying me or accounting me. They went out of business, so I don't know how many they sold. Oh, Um, really? (laughs) Yeah, we got it back and probably sold maybe another 10000 or so before we lost the rights to everything.
0: Holy shit, dude. Did any of those bands on that compilation record think it was going to sell that many? Were they like surprised? They were all surprised by it?
1: You know, at that point, nothing was really happening much. Uh, You know, Motley Crue actually was supposed to be on there because I did a lot of work with them in in the early days. Oh, okay. Uh, But they, you know, once they put their record out and kind of had a little bit of a buzz, they, you know, they said, you know, we can't be on there because we don't really need to be, unfortunately. Yeah. But no, we just, you know, all I think I was hoping or any of the bands were hoping was just a little bit of exposure outside of Los Angeles and maybe something might happen. Yeah. You know, you you would none of us ever expected. You know, especially looking back, you know where we are now, that any any of all that stuff would have happened. We were there's no way anybody thought in a million years it would all become so huge.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would not think either.
1: (laughs) No, right.
0: Definitely back then, because a lot of people don't realize, like, dude, there was no internet. Everything was just word of mouth. And anything in physical format, like flyers or compilation albums, right? Were there that many compilation albums back then? Like when you put no, that out?
1: Uh, so I was the second, uh, the second one. Mike Varney uh, put out U.S. Metal about six months before I did, and that uh. was more of a of a guitar hero sort of thing. Oh, okay. Uh, so I was the second one, and that was it. And then, you know, that was. We were the only two labels, Trap and Metal Blade, but the only two for a while. And then eventually, you know, Megaforce and Combat, and everybody started to come around because, you know, unbeknownst to 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 us, to us, yeah, and me certainly that, uh, you know, there were all these people around the country that were kind of into the same thing, but nobody knew about each other because, again, there's really no way to contact.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, <clears throat> right after that, when when was Metal Blade born? Like,
1: so <laughs> after doing the Metal Master. <laughs> I never intended to be a record label, I, I was oh. at that point, you know, I was doing a lot of journalism stuff, I was writing for Krang, I was doing, you know, a bunch of that stuff, that's kind of where uh, I thought going to end up going, and the album was just really a mere, I just, you know, we want to put something out, yeah. so that people are aware that these bands exist, that if you look at the first cover, it says the new Heavy Metal Review presents, it was really just a uh, kind of an extension of the fanzine at the time, mm-hmm. so making every mistake possible on that record. I didn't know what I was doing. You know, I was a 21-year-old kid. I had no idea what was going on. So, uh, but one of the distributors came to me uh, who I had also given them the Motley Crue album because their Motley Crue's managers asked me, hey, we made 900 copies of this record. We'll get two of them. Mm -hmm. I said, hey, take them to this Green World people. They'll help you out. (laughs) So they came to me and said, well, you know, we know you don't have any money, but you seem to kind of understand, you know, what's going on with some of these bands. We'll give you a, a pressing and distribution deal, which means that if you could bring us stuff, then we'll do the manufacturing and distribution and everything. So I said, all right, well, that sounds like fun. So you know, yeah. to, some of my friends, like bitch, were the first ones that we put something out. Of. And again, if it was like, if anybody could somehow get a recording, I mean, I had no money or anything, so yeah, you know, we would have to somehow get a recording. I said, I can put it out. So. Uh, you know, Bitch came and then Armored Saint and then, you know, we did wow. the massacre. Masker and it, it probably took about four or five or six records before I realized like, oh, wow, this is, you know, something kind of interesting. Because at the time I was, I was still going to college. I was still working at the record store. I was still doing the fanzine I was booking shows. Oh, you are booking uh, shows too? Uh, around terrible. LA. I was helping out with the local LA uh, radio station for their, with their two hour metal show every year, every week. Uh, sorry. So I was doing a million different things. And then all of a sudden, yes. The label started to take up a lot of time and I thought maybe I should try to see where this goes. So
0: yeah. Try to go towards that. That's crazy. So you were booking shows too in LA?
1: Yeah. So there was a- I had no idea. Selfishly, um, <laughs> there was a, a club right down the street from where I lived called, yeah. uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember the Val, Valley West uh, on Ventura Boulevard in Tarzana, California. Uh, so. <laughs> You know, I didn't want, you know, driving all the way to, to Hollywood every week was, you know, every weekend was, you know, was a long way to go. It's
0: pain in know, the ass sometimes.
1: Uh, yeah, just pain. And, you know, at the time I was a very stupid young individual and we would go drink and then drive home, which is not a very smart thing to do. Nope. So I figured, you know, if there's, if there's a venue that's like a mile away, that's a lot better. So yeah uh, I started booking show, shows there and, you know, I, did, I started a few things at the Country Club a little bit later, but at the time I was just doing that, just again you know everybody was playing in hollywood and, mm-hmm. and you know obviously the record store was in the valley yeah and there were a lot of kids that couldn't get to hollywood or whatever so yeah it's a small place there for fun
0: that's fucking rad i actually lived in tarzana for a little bit back in 2010 2011 oh. yeah i lived down in la for a couple years so i was i'm familiar with that area but even when I was living out there then, it was like, hey, let's go down to Hollywood for a show or even go to like Anaheim or something. I was like, man, that 30 mile drive is going to take about two hours right now. Yeah.
1: And <laughs> thankfully, though, in the, the early 80s, it wasn't as bad. That, but, yeah. But getting there, you know, if you had to get there early on a Friday uh, night, it, yeah, it would take a while. It sure. would take a while
0: still. That's fucking rad. So when did you find, I think one record, obviously, in the early days of Metal Blade when we first started out was Show No Mercy by Slayer. How, when did, how did you discover Slayer?
1: So uh, again, my friends in Bitch uh, mm-hmm. were playing a show in Orange County. I think it was their first or second show in Orange County. Okay. Uh, so uh, I was going to go, and I started going to some shows that they're like you mentioned. It's a long drive. It's you know, without traffic is about an hour and 10 minutes. So yep. it's a bit of a, it's a bit of a drive, but I decided to, you know, they, they're playing a show and I went to all their shows. So they were good friends of mine. So I wanted to go out there and check out what was going on. And you know, they had a lot of interesting names of bands uh, on the bill opening. So I decided to go early mm-hmm. just to see the bands. I didn't really know anything about any of them and Slayer went on stage. I was like, Oh my God, this is incredible. Yeah. And we're doing probably maybe three or four originals. The rest were all covers. Oh, really? Uh, but they were incredible. I, Kerry King and I argue to this day. I think they, they did Phantom of the Opera by Iron Maiden. He swears they never did that. <laughs> I wish I could get a tape or something. For
0: right, just to show them.
1: But anyway, they were amazing. So I went backstage, and you know they had a manager at the time, and I said, "Hey, you know, I do these metal masker albums. I would love to have Slayer on one." Yeah. Uh, you guys are up for it? They go, "Yeah." They had knew they had known about it, so they're like, "Yeah, yeah, hundred percent." And then you know, once I started to see them a couple more times, and they started writing the material, I was like the same thing. Like if you guys can somehow scrape up the money to make a record, we, we can make a record. And that's kind of where Show No Mercy ended up happening. I think Tom, Tom's dad and Carrie's dad, I think threw in some money. We we're able to get like $3,000, which would get us barely enough studio time to make a record. Uh, and we did.
0: That's right. So where did they go record that? Because I, I remember reading something about how dave lombardo had to record his cymbals separately
1: (laughs) yeah so we did it so my good friend bill matoyer i mean this is another one of the reasons why you know we were able to even exist as a label yeah because studio time back then was really expensive and not easy to get but bill matoyer another guy i met working at the record store he was starting out as an engineer and his owner was really really cool a place called track record and, and uh I don't know where I think I remember where they started. They ended up at Hollywood, but they started somewhere else. But anyway, oh, okay. Um, he was really cool. And would say like, look, you guys can record. You know, a lot of it was overnight, or you know, just whenever he didn't have anything going on for a lot less money than you normally do it. And, yeah. and Bill was an engineer who understood heavy metal. That was the other big thing too. Is finding someone. There had no idea. But he loved heavy metal. He understood it. So yeah. no, that's good. At least worked out pretty well. So all that early stuff: the bitch, Armored Saint. Omen, Slayer, all that early stuff, Trouble, Fates Warning, yeah. all that with Bill McToyer at a track record. And then, you know, we ended up moving to a couple of studios after that. But Show Mercy was, was all track record. And at that point, it was a very small studio. Yeah. And Dave had a pretty big drum kit. So <laughs> when we were recording the tracks, Bill said, hey, the cymbals are all bleeding into all the other drum tracks. We oh, that man. It's going to sound terrible. Yeah. So he got the idea, you know, of overdubbing the cymbals, which, you know, I i didn't know i thought that might have been something people did back then i have no idea yeah yeah you're really not familiar weird. with it dave well it was, i mean i'll <laughs> never forget this i remember dave had to play the drums without symbols without symbols yeah <laughs> the weirdest thing was watching him overdub the symbols because he skipped he, he like wait and like hit the symbols and it was <laughs> but he's such an amazing drummer i i, I don't know he that nailed how it he could do that looking back in hindsight
0: yeah i could not imagine doing that as a drummer he definitely was not happy about it was he
1: no i don't think i was not really happy about it either but
0: <laughs> but there's nothing you could do you're like oh, yeah and this and is again, the only have, option
1: <laughs> yeah we didn't have time because yes you know, i to do it and then it didn't work out in the end and then we'd be it was just a mess so yes yeah, so and we overdone the same famous story
0: <laughs> famous story uh another thing that really stood out to me is you guys signed the google dolls you put out what, a couple records for them
1: they did a good, like six.
0: Six? Oh, was it six
1: yeah, but the Google you have so we had a we we started to to do uh punk rock music uh back then you know, we did DRI and COC and Dr. No. Yeah. So we we kind of branched out into and started another label called Death. because And that all started from when we wanted to sign DRI, who I found out through Slayer. Yeah. And DRI said, we'd love to sign with you, but we can't sign with a label called Metal Blade because that would ruin <laughs> their credibility in the punk world. Yeah. So I said, well, if we put together a different name of the, of a record company, would you do this? And they said, sure. So
0: okay. that became
1: Death Records. So you know we were looking for, oh. for punk bands. And uh, Mike Faley, who works at Metal Blade. Yeah, I don't has been there forever, yeah. Uh, was from Buffalo, New York, so he still had a lot of connections there. And somebody that we knew that uh, that book shows there said, Hey, you might want to check out this band, the Google Dolls. So at that point, they're a punk rock band. I mean, they, you know, the one thing I, I, remember, I, told-
0: I went and listened to their earlier shit the other day because so I was like, yeah. I gotta go listen to Google Dolls again.
1: <laughs> one thing that I, I explained to people that give them so give them a little bit of credibility is so Google Dolls opened up twice for cannibal courts in Buffalo, so what so, yeah. <laughs> and they did okay. But they're just a really fun, fun punk band. Yeah. And, you know, we, we put out some of their records, and they started getting better and better. Fact, I, I, listen, uh, I was listening, uh, watching a football, one of the NFL football playoff games and they were playing one of the old Google dolls songs. during the Bills game, of course. Wow. And I was like, man, I haven't listened to that record in a long time, I just went back and listened to it. And one thing I didn't realize was the early stuff sounds almost exactly like the Foo Fighters.
0: Yeah, so, it's similar.
1: Yeah, I know Grillo is a big fan of a lot of our stuff, so I'm sure that that some of that seeped in. But that, like the early stuff, like Superstar Car Wash and mm-hmm. Jet, that's like, wow, that's very Foo Fighters esque So they were kind of more of a, a punk rock band, but had a little bit of a of a you know um, melodic end to it, I guess. And yeah, and, they you know, did. The weirdest thing happened. So we, were, you know, we had made a bunch of records and we had our deal with Warner Brothers at the time, and we really thought the Dolls were going to be big because they had these, you know, they sounded at that point, you know, they had some replacements. Stuff in them and these other things, and we thought they'd be a re- big radio band. We could never get them kind of over the hump. And then when we were making a boy named Goo, uh, Johnny came to me and said, Hey, I've got this acoustic song that I just wrote that, that, that I recorded that I like it, but I don't know if I should put it on the record because it sounds so different from everything else. Yeah. And he played me the song, which is his name, and I said, Hey, it's good. Why not put it on the record? And of course, you know, the Kevin Weatherly of uh, K Rock in LA, at the time, was the most influential. Yeah, program, a radio station decided he would play it one night and it became this huge hit unbeknownst to any, any of us we weren't even pushing that
0: song. <laughs> yeah you weren't even pushing and that song
1: huge and then they kind of went down that that kind of more mellow uh, road
0: yes and that's and then that's uh, then that was like a transition too for Metal Babies you guys went from Warner Brothers to Red right distribution
1: yeah so we you know we long story of course and you can read it all about it in my book
0: yeah yeah buy the book by the way <laughs>
1: But um yeah, so we, you know, we we were at Warner Brothers and you uh, know it was going you know fairly well. And then Warner Brothers, when we signed with them, were a very cool, even though their major label was all independently owned and run, and then they ended yeah. up selling out to this huge corporation, Time Inc., okay. and then Ice T put out a song called Cop Killer that that went through Warners, that we freaked out about. And then after that, because they're owned by a huge corporation, they had lawyers who would look at every single record going through the, their system to decide whether it was uh, okay for that to happen. And what the first record that we gave them was Guar. And they came back and said, well, um, so this song has to go off and you have to change these lyrics and all this other stuff. And I said, oh, wait, man. I'm not- telling anybody to do anything so anyway, yeah we, we left the warner brothers at that point and we moved on to uh to red which is kind of where we've been over all these years i mean it's now the orchard and it's owned by Sony, but it's still the same same, lot right. of the same people that were there so yeah and, we had a relationship with them anyway because uh when we did the warner's deal we did not put cannibal corpse through their system because we knew that was probably not a very good idea <laughs> uh, the, the corporate system uh, so, oh, so we, we did them through uh, through uh, red anyway.
0: Oh, so you were like able to do that if yeah. you needed yeah, to. They,
1: we carved that out, and you know, we, oh. we kind of said like there's w- one band that w- w- won't make any sense for you guys, And they, said, That's
0: fine. And they were cool with it. <laughs> yeah. how so when did you end up signing a cannibal corpse? Was that so, right in the beginning?
1: Well, for yeah, them, yeah, I mean, for them, yeah, but we for were, them, we, yeah. We, yeah. We were a little bit late to the death metal scene, quite, uh, quite honestly. I wasn't initially I wasn't a major fan of it and we weren't you know we weren't as quick as like Earache or Roadrunner or you know any of those those labels that really got in early yeah um, but I did like it and mm-hmm. so we didn't really sign anything for until really 89 which was Cannibal Corpse and again Buffalo New York uh got the the cassette tape somebody sent it in and when I got the cassette tape I looked at it and it had a song on there called a stall full of maggots oh so I said <laughs> I don't really care what this sounds like I'm going to Signed this just because of that song title. And luckily, <laughs> it yeah, was actually really good. So, yeah. yeah.
0: That's cool. Cr- what year was that?
1: 1989,
0: I think. 1989, dude. It's crazy, dude. Be- right before this, I was doing like a little pre show thing and we played uh the recent Cannibal Corpse video. But th- it's crazy. Like that band continues to put out just an amazing death record, a death metal record after death metal record. It just continues. Like they just get better somehow.
1: Yeah, they've they've always been really uh, uh, one of the many reasons why they're so successful. They've always been a really driven band. Where yes, they, they always want to make better music. They're like they're obsessed with doing that. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Luckily, they've been able to. I mean, it's hard to do that. Hard to be fresh over all these years, but
0: it's yeah, nuts it's,
1: uh, been great. And certainly, the addition of Eric Rutan didn't hurt either.
0: Oh yeah, I mean, dude, getting Eric Rutan is fucking huge.
1: Man, I was and a, one of the nicest guys ever, too. Yeah, I really
0: I, I've never actually talked to Eric, but everyone I know who's worked with Eric toward with Eric, they always tell me, like, Eric is the fucking man. Nicest fucking dude.
1: And I'm like, yeah, I got to
0: get I got to get Eric on here. I want to I want to get to know him. <laughs>
1: yeah, he, he's amazing. He's a really amazing guy. And, and obviously incredibly talented.
0: Yes. Oh, yeah, dude. Um. So let's see here. Uh, what were you know early on? What were like some of your like favorite releases that Metal Blade put out?
1: Uh, well, <laughs> obviously Slayer stuff, which is great. I mean, you can't, um, yeah, you can't go you know, wrong there. I, I loved Omen, uh, Fate's Morning, Trouble, uh, you know, all that sort of stuff was, was all all really cool. Uh, yeah. Obviously- you know, even though we didn't do a lot of stuff with them, you know, I still love that early Armored Saint EP. But you know, kind of all the all the bigger bands, they were, you know, number one became friends of mine, which was fun, and also mm-hmm. I just I just love the music. I thought what all those bands were doing was all really good, and it was all very different too. You know, Troubles different from Face Mornings, different from Armored Saint, different from Slayer. You know, it's all all yeah. very different. Which I, I, a lot I, of
0: different I, shit, yeah. It was a very like crazy mix, you guys had.
1: Yeah, but it was all kind of you know all. Really based and influenced on you know the European style of metal for the most part.
0: Right? Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, no, that was fucking awesome. And during like the beginning of the, like the record label, how much uh like how much staff did you have? <laughs> <For the laughs> Always first wonder that.
1: Three years there were zero. It was just me.
0: Just you.
1: Doing it all from uh, uh, there's a little room in, back, in the back of my mom's house next to the garage. Love that we do air conditioning, by the way, which uh lives in Woodland Hills, California. The summer is usually no. about 106, 107, so that was always fun, yeah. <laughs> but I did have a slip, some little cooler in there that I don't think really did much, but I didn't care. <laughs> but I did everything first wow. three years, I did everything from you know layouts to promotion to you know anything and everything. Then. About three years, and Bill Matoria was kind of a de facto employee, where he was doing all the engineering stuff, and he was helping out with some things as well. And then, after about three years, I got tired of doing it in, uh, in my mom's. Garage. Yeah. <laughs> and we had a little bit of money, so we got a little office in uh, in Sherman. O- I mean, sorry, uh, in Pasadena, uh, California. Mm-hmm. And hired awesome. our first employee, which at the point at that time was basically just a receptionist who you know, answered <laughs> the phone, sent out of the mail and all that sort of stuff, and then you know, slowly over time, it started to, to grow from there, but it really was really probably, gosh, I probably 86, so about four years in where we started to actually hire out some, some real employees.
0: Wow. Who's like the long, is there somebody who's the longest standing employee right now that you have?
1: So the longest is probably Mike Faley. He's Is it Failey? I love Failey. 87, 88. And then right behind oh. him is Tracy Vera. Okay. Is, uh, Joey Vera uh, wife from Armored St. Fates morning, et cetera, et cetera. She's been there, I think 20, oh, since uh, 80, either 88 or 89, something like that. But wow. I mean, we have so many employees that have been there, you know, many, 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 like many, early many. on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Even the, 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 we call them the young kids. They've all been there like 10, 15 years. Dude, It's
0: nuts. Yeah. How many employees do you guys have now? Do you know? So, all yeah, worldwide,
1: <laughs> worldwide, we, we've got, I think 31. Okay. Put I mean, some, you know, not full
0: time people. So. yeah, yeah, probably like some part time. Full time, I think
1: we have like twenty-seven. Don't know That's before. incredible, man.
0: You guys have been going for wait, how long is it? So thirty-fifth year was that twenty seventeen?
1: Yeah, so next year we'll be forty.
0: Holy shit, man. It feels like guess it because I remember when you guys, you know, when the 30th, 35th anniversary tour was put together with Whitechapel and and uh who else was on it? Um
1: Bardalia, you know, uh Cattle revocation
0: revocation right yes
1: yeah, it's, yeah well, I,
0: it's hard to remember sometimes because i remember it was getting put together i was working with necromancing the stone and we got hit up like hey they can add the band to the tour and i was like oh wow but that just feels like yesterday it was like right? i was saying with like rivers and i, I started working with them in 2015 i'm like where has the time gone <laughs> no,
1: don't remind
0: me yeah i know because it's even like i think about you know last year which doesn't really exist but i was like literally thinking about this like playing in bed last night. i'm like i don't remember what last year was like <laughs> now that everything's starting to get moving again with touring like it's great it feels great i mean i'm loving it obviously because it's, it's it's really what i love to do it's it brings me a lot of joy
1: <laughs> yeah brings, i mean look that's yeah. i mean that's how everybody all i mean it's been tough for all these bands to not tour for not do anything
0: time. i know was yeah, that- knock on
1: wood, it looks like it's uh, starting to ramp <laughs> up again. So Yes,
0: it is. Was it a weird time last year for you guys? Not to get too much into that. I'm
1: just Well, I mean I mean of course it was weird for everybody, right? Yes,
0: but, for label. the label.
1: The weirder thing from, from Metal Blade is we actually had one of the best years we've ever had. Wow um so going into this we weren't really sure what was going to happen and we were pretty much shut down like everybody else was for about three months with the manufacturing they or too anything. oh
0: yeah but was that we yeah it was all shut down
1: again you know we, we didn't want we really could put out too many new releases We obviously had the cattle decapitation black dolly that came out right mm-hmm. when everything kind of fell apart but we didn't want to put anything else out so what we did is we started to just mine the catalogs We have so much catalog we just did tons and tons of vinyl releases and yeah and the sales were absolutely astronomical i mean i can't really believe how well all that stuff did uh so to credit to all the fans out there who you know i guess decided that since they can't go to concerts they'll support they'll support artists however they can i know a lot of bands will all the merch. we certainly sold a ton of uh, vinyl and cds and everything it's incredible. else so, weirdly enough for us it was one of the better years we, we ever had and that was you know a year that exi- really only existed nine months so that was yeah pretty, i know pretty insane but uh, it was really good but it's you know, it's been difficult so, because you know, just the band's it's just terrible for the bands. Well, yeah, because
0: you're you know, you uh, see all the you already know all the tours that your bands had to cancel, reschedule and whatnot. So yeah, they, you know, I mean a lot of these guys that
1: start living, if they can't tour, they you know, they have to do something else. And certainly, you know, a lot of mental health issues. I mean, thankfully nothing really terrible, but it was yeah. definitely a struggle. I would, you know, weekly have a phone call with somebody that needed some some sort of cheering up or something. Yeah, but, no,
0: I did too. I mean, there was times where I mean, there was band, like bands of mine, we didn't talk for like a few months. And then we saw, I'm like, yeah, hey, is everything good? What's going on? I'm like, it's been so long. <laughs> and we'd just be like, this is crazy. Like, we went like three months without talking. This is fucking weird. And I'm like, it just like flew by. But,
1: but you know, I always try to look at the, the silver lining of things. And, you know, we did get, you know, a lot of bands did these amazing stream shows. Which I saw. Great. Yes. You know, obviously there's so many of these new, you know, people doing interviews and podcasts and all mm-hmm. this sort of stuff kind of. Which I think letting people more into their—I don't want to say private life necessarily—but just more learning more about them. Like you know, a lot of these bands that wouldn't have the time to do as many interviews or things. Oh like yeah, dude. Are now doing stuff, so there. You know, there's there's definitely been a positive aspect to some of that. Yes. Uh, yeah, I think we're all ready to get back to going to concerts and whatnot now. Oh so, yeah,
0: no, we definitely are. I can't wait. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's gonna go. It's gonna go zero to a hundred. I mean, it's kind of already getting that way like uh, yeah like things are kind of starting to open up and you know i'm, I'm all i'm all vaxxed up and everything same feel a little better about going out but it's yeah it seems like all of a sudden there's there's things happening like,
0: i know like, it's like, wild
1: you're not doing anything for a year not going anywhere for a year. Until <laughs> that. oh my
0: god it's happening again i'm just like wondering I, i'm not sure like what my first show back is going to be at it might be that fest in birmingham furnace fest because that's just like a throwback and I, I, I get,
1: I got weirdly really lucky because the, the first show back is an important thing, right?
0: So yeah, hell yeah, big time.
1: I went to a, a, an old friend of mine that now is like one of the, the big, big time lawyers in South Florida. Anyway, he had his 50th birthday party here in Vegas, so I went, and uh, you know, I knew a few people there, but I didn't know a lot of people there. And I took one of my buddies here that knows a lot of guys. So anyway, we went, and you know, there was if they had a really terrible cover band on, me. Ugh. and I didn't bring earplugs or anything either, so I was kind of. <laughs> But uh, we're talking to one of his friends, and they said, "Hey, Mini Kiss is going to perform." So I go, "We got to stay for that."
0: Oh my God! Did they perform?
1: <laughs> yeah, it was the lame Mini Kiss though. It was the one that had they just blare the actual songs. They don't really play. And oh, okay.
0: yeah, yeah.
1: But they said so, uh, unbeknownst to me, in this this room that they had the party in. Uh-huh. there's there was apparently a big stage behind this curtain, which no, we couldn't see. I just thought it was a wall. Oh, so there's was a stage behind there, and somebody's going to play afterwards. Like, he, he got somebody really cool to play. So the big rumor running around was Steel Panther. So I thought, oh, that might be cool. And then uh, he had, like, a little, you know, everybody's saying happy birthday to him. And Alice Cooper was one of the ones that, ooh, maybe it'd be Alice. Yeah. And then, so we didn't know, and, and the, the, uh, the lights come on, and I could see the, the lead singer also had a guitar on. So I was like, well, it's not Alice, it's not Steel Panther. So I don't know, who it was? It ended up being Sammy Hagar. Wow, which was great. Yeah, that was my my first show back. That so. was your first one. <laughs> yeah, so, so I'm trying to figure out now uh, where what what's next.
0: Yeah, what's the not next one?
1: Here. Yeah, um, not for
0: a little bit, right? I think the one thing yeah. I, there's deicide okay. in August. I know that. Yeah,
1: there's really. I don't think there's a whole lot going to happen until August, September, October, and then it's going to be a nightmare because
0: things. Going on. <laughs> Dude, it is kind of a night. Like I'm booking. I think the fir- I announce a tour tomorrow, and it's for October, and then I have a, a band, a couple bands going out in September, but I probably the first thing I won't see. Like I'll probably see the October tour here, but yeah, it's crazy. It's starting up though.
1: Yeah, I might go. uh, Corey Taylor is a good friend of mine. Oh,
0: yeah. He's doing a solo thing, right? Yeah, a couple guys in his
1: band are really good friends of mine, too. So he's playing in Dallas. I might.
0: Oh, Oh, yeah. That's in this month.
1: Yeah, this month. So I might do that. Oh,
0: shit. uh, I got to figure out what day that is. Yeah, that'd be wild. Um, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So let's go back a little bit and some more Metal Blade stuff I want to get into. Um in the 90s was this like a tough time for the label? Cuz <clears throat> I know like grunge and stuff was like pretty big in the well, 90s. That's,
1: that's kind of the weird thing about the 90s were that it wasn't nearly as bad as everybody made it out to be.
0: Yes, uh, I've also read that too.
1: <laughs> certainly metal was not mainstream at all. It was, you know, there's no mainstream. Yeah, you know, there's grunge and then new metal and all this stuff was Yeah, like, new metal was getting big. Was kind, of, kind of squashed down. But that being said, I mean we had bands King Diamond, Mercil Fate, Cannibal Corpse, six feet under. That were, I mean, Cannibal Corpse, and six feet under, had releases that sold over two hundred thousand copies in the U.S. during that time, which was Holy a lot shit, of records.
0: Shit, dude.
1: And you know, Fate and King Diamond did did very very well too, and you know, a lot of stuff did, did good. So, but it was all underground. It was all super underground. No mainstream people knew about it. Everybody thought it, the genre was dead, and all mm. of this. I, I, you know, I never really believed it because <laughs> well, it wasn't the the best of times for us. It wasn't that terrible either. I mean, it was, you know, actually it was fairly decent and, and yeah. i always encourage people to go back and, and listen to a lot of that 90s metal stuff because mm-hmm. it's so overlooked and for example like the king diamond immersive fate stuff i think is is you know not i mean obviously it's it's tough to rival the early stuff but it's really really very good stuff and i've been happy lately to see more of that the, those sort of things happening where people are going back and listening, finding to, those a lot of that 90s stuff i mean there's obviously there's a ton of great death metal that was going on back then kind of the, the origins of death metal but they were really oh, yeah really wasn't a lot of mainstream stuff but i mean honestly i was talking to some friends of mine the other day about this and we kind of have to 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 give pantera the the big i mean they were the only ones flying the flag for metal that was a uh, mainstream artist at the time playing arenas and stuff obviously metallic was out there doing their thing too mm-hmm. uh, you know, pantera's really raising the flag of, of metal then so
0: oh yeah I mean, they were
1: wasn't for them i mean who knows maybe the genre would have kind of Maybe
0: it could have. Yeah. But
1: the underground was the underground was still very strong. You know, it was still tough, you know, just because you didn't have any any other any other uh, mainstream publicity and the mainstream media was all saying, oh, metal's dead. It's yeah. Really like, not quite yet.
0: No, it's not. <laughs>
1: I, I I mean I knew it was going to come back. It just it was just a matter of time. So.
0: That's how it is. I mean a lot of even like a lot of bands like now that are coming out. Well, the last couple of years they're being they're like <clears throat> bringing back that like old school metalcore sound that I grew up on in like the mid two thousands and stuff. And a lot of these bands are like Vain and Knock Loose and stuff are like bringing that style back. And it's funny because even like some of these like newer bands where I'm like, wow, you sound like more so like ion dissonance and stuff like that. They're like, who's that? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, well, what do you listen to? And they start naming like newer bands. And I'm like, you know, you don't really sound like that, right? <laughs> and you start telling them about these like older bands. Like, oh, wow. Oh, wow. We do sound like these bands. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it comes back though. Like it's even like old school death metal, you know, it's all coming back on yeah, frozen oh, okay. soul and stuff. Like it's gate creeper.
1: Yep. yep you know a lot of really cool stuff and everybody kind of you know just a lot of it comes the same influences so you end up having bands sound similar obviously but uh, yeah. yeah there's a lot of a lot of good stuff and it's you know it's just a, a good community and you know it you know, is man i love it new stories and
0: oh there's so stuff. many stories there's new stories i hear every freaking day especially when i go to shows or anything hang out with bands i mean there's just endless amounts of stories and even doing this podcast it's like dude i I learned so much about people that I've known for a little while, like a good while that I've had on here. And I'm like, wait, that happened. You know, we find out about funny tour stories or just different things. And it's like, it's crazy. It's awesome. So <laughs> I love doing this podcast. is like, it, it actually gets me, you know, to know my friend more <laughs> or right. someone new more. Like I've had Trevor from black dollar murder on here. And, uh, you know, I barely even talked to Trevor at all. And, uh, but, we had a fucking blast, and we got to know each other even more. It was wild. It was cool. Yeah, and the,
1: and the, right when this whole thing got started, I, I was doing these uh, Instagram uh, live things, more so just to talk to my friends because I, you know, I couldn't see anybody. We couldn't travel or anything, so I just had you know everybody, you know, I had Trevor on, you know, I had Cor- corpse grinder on, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Adam from Killswitch, you know, uh, just a bunch of just a bunch of my friends and bands, you know, Johan from Automart, just so you could talk for an hour. Yeah.
0: <laughs> say, yeah hey exactly it's fucking great <clears throat> so for your guys 35th anniversary you put out a book and i know i'm years late to talk about this but hey we should talk about it again because maybe you get some more book sales <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> why not so putting together did you ever think you were going to put together a book <laughs> or did I everyone
1: on radar screen ever really and and uh but you know I, I I started getting approached by a bunch of people that said hey would you want to write a book and i was like, hmm, really sure be kind of fun to do yeah uh, yeah also have to be really careful with it because you know, I, I just i don't want to say anything bad about anybody i wanted to, to try to you know do it do it, yeah. do it right more or less but yeah uh, I, I, it just felt like the right time to start telling the story of the label and uh before i started forgetting everything so
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah right it's, so, it's, yeah, it's so a lot went
1: went about doing it and uh it was actually really fun to do uh my co-writer mark was uh was really great and yeah was, fun to go back and you know i kind of forgotten about a lot of stuff and i just did it chronologically and kind of looked at releases that came out yeah
0: go back right
1: kind of memories about things so it's really fun to do but i was really honestly shocked by the 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 positive response of it i mean almost everybody that that read the book really liked it and it did really well yeah and we thought it was going to like the first the first the yeah, first no idea, one, right? Run sold out so quickly, we couldn't keep it on Amazon. They kept running out of it, which
0: was holy crazy. shit, dude.
1: But, um, yeah, it was, it was super fun to do. I'm actually writing, I have finished writing, I'm now proofreading book number two. Oh, no which, way. I think that was five years ago. It seems crazy. So, is this
0: going to be the 40th anniversary one?
1: <laughs> I don't know. Probably, <laughs> I, I, I really don't want to uh, have it be part of that. But, yeah, but not not because of anything other than uh it's not really an anniversary sort of thing so i'm hoping to get it out by the end of this year but you know we'll see what happens with that so i have something really really cool planned for the 40th that uh i can imagine together will be very cool but uh, i think it's going to but i'm not sure yet so you're not sure (laughs) until everything's all you know sit in stone i don't want to jinx anything yeah
0: no i totally get that no that will be fucking awesome so do you think the label did you think the label was gonna last this long no no uh, was there some like rough times
1: yeah like maybe the, the worst the worst one the one time where i really thought it was it was gonna go away was uh and it was my my stupid mistake in the first place was <laughs> when vinyl kind of started stopped being the way oh stop yeah Every kept telling me you gotta stop you gotta stop making vinyl, you gotta start stop shipping vinyl to stores because it's just not gonna last any longer. Yeah. Over. I was like, no, 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 vinyl's never <laughs> gonna love it. <laughs> and uh, and sure enough, one day all the record stores in the in the country decided, okay, we're switching over from vinyl to CDs.
0: It literally happened like all together, and it like, all, yeah, like literally
1: in one week. And we got uh
0: Oh a, my god, dude. I think
1: dude. the amount of vinyl we got back was equivalent to 133000 dollars that I would owe our distributor and and
0: yeah you had to pay yeah
1: you have to pay Re- yeah
0: no I yeah
1: we paid for these records yep. and they're all coming back. So for about a six month period of time uh, we didn't have any money and you know I was trying to get money we couldn't we could get banks wouldn't give me, wouldn't loan me any money nobody gave me any money so I just got every credit card I could possibly get because you'd be getting all these credit things and luckily I had good credit so I think I got like 18 credit cards and 18 so i pretty much bankrolled the label for for four or five months on those credit cards and then and plus we were going through a situation right after that happened where partly because of that and partly because they were not smart business people our distributor went bankrupt and ended up stiffing us for Quite a lot of money, so there was
0: yeah about
1: a a four or five months period where we had no income coming in. So like I said, I just kind of did it with the credit cards, and then that's when we got the Warner's deal. And and thankfully, that's kind of there was about a month or two there. I wasn't really sure what was going to happen. Yeah, started people, we realized okay, we can get a major deal pretty you know fairly easily, and that'll solve all of our financial problems. But yeah, yeah, that was the one time where I was like especially the 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 few days after getting all that vinyl back. I was just like I don't I I don't know
0: Do now, yeah. Like, seriously, because what year was that? Do you remember?
1: I believe it was 80. Oh, gosh, I'm trying to remember now. It was either 87 or 88.
0: Wow, was it? Damn, was it really then? That's when everyone decided that's when like vinyl sales were. Because I should go back and
1: look, but it's it's somewhere 88. uh, I want to say 88. I I can't remember exactly, but uh, dude,
0: that's insane. I didn't realize that was like in the 80s when that happened.
1: Yeah, because CDs came along like right at the very end of of the '80s, and uh, that really I mean, that changed the music industry because obviously everybody started buying CDs, and all this money came in. That's, you know, I think part of what kind of ruined the metal scene too is all hair metal and pop.
0: <laughs> <not really> <laughs> all that shit. <laughs> yeah, I never got into that. Like I was like growing up, you know, yeah, there was never a time where I got into like the glam stuff, hair metal stuff. Good. There was like maybe like a couple songs where I was like, oh, this is cool, but it was like it never like brought it never brought me in, you know, like death metal did or n- even new metal did. Like new metal, I was hooked on, but like death it would glam never did that for me. But um yeah,
1: a few scenes I never really got into was definitely the, the a lot of the hair metal stuff. I and mean, there's some, you know, Cinderella's great, and there's a few other stuff, but then the new metal stuff I didn't I, didn't, I just didn't like any of it and Yeah. Like, no. The only band that I really liked that yeah. kind of <laughs> i stuck
0: thought corn was yeah I, I there was a good the, there wasn't like a ton of new metal that i love but like corn slipknot mudvane i liked for a couple records um spine shank i liked for like a record or two and there was like a few others but then but i didn't la- it didn't last i didn't last that long in new metal. it was like a couple years maybe and,
1: and even slipknot i, I like slipknot, yeah i don't know i think yeah out, the really shit was great around the same time but i don't really know if it was new metal necessarily even some of those other bands like spine chain stuff but it was but like
0: industrial like, even like spine chain was like industrial like similar to like fear factory and stuff
1: yeah that was cool like you know the- fear, fear
0: factory i thought was yeah, is- i love fear factory
1: <laughs> yeah those bands were great yeah i wouldn't call them new
0: no i was watching this video that got posted on twitter of fear factory they played live at a wrestling event I forget what it was called. I'll send it to you. It was fucking awesome, though. But like I was so I forget who the heck posted it, but I retweeted it because I thought it was fucking hilarious. That's but funny. it was just so bizarre. This old wrestling event going on outside on like a beach. And then you got Fear Factory on a stage <laughs> and like all that, that cool shit like that stuff is like never going to happen again. Or maybe it will. Maybe it'll come back. You never know. You never know. Right so when you guys like uh let's say when you guys signed bands like cannibal corpse or even like black dialer murder and Whitechapel, um what was it like when you signed these bands even like i want to bring up like black dialer murder when you guys found them did you think like this band was gonna like take off what was
1: well i i don't think anytime you you,
0: you never really think that you hard.
1: Band, you, you're hopeful obviously you know you want yeah to because
0: them. you don't want to yeah you don't want to get your hopes up.
1: But, you know, I try not to get too carried away with that sort of stuff because you you don't want to overly get too excited about about stuff. You have to be realistic about it, obviously.
0: Yes. Black Dolly
1: is kind of funny. In fact, Brian Eschberg and I argue over this as well. Because I remember, and I remember it very clearly, as a matter of fact, that I found them trolling around MySpace. I was looking at, go to, you know, bands page and they would say, bands, you might also like. Yeah. And I forget whose page I was on. I, I might have been on I think it was on Earth, but it was, you know, one of those bands. And um, yeah. so they listed all these bands. I saw this band, the Black Dolly Murder. I go, that band is that's a cool name. So I cool name, up,
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> on their page and listened to what they had up there. It was amazing. So I immediately sent them a, a DM or what email, whatever you did back then and said, Hey, yeah. you know, from metal dead records so heard your stuff i thought it was really cool i'd love to talk to you guys and so yeah. they got back to me we started talking and, and, and ended up signing them obviously and then years later uh, a good friend of mine uh from pittsburgh is a big hockey fan as well that, that runs um gosh i can't i'm gonna forget the name of the record company oh my gosh
0: <laughs> oh dude i forget about this show all the time
1: <laughs> um, but anyway he told me that they were that they literally had a contract Black Dahlia had a contract that they were going to sign the day that I contacted Black Dahlia. And then they didn't sign it because of that. And I felt really bad. He's like, "That's all fine. It's fine. He's a really great dude. So was yeah.
0: Really so yeah. Was-
1: but, uh, <laughs> but yeah. Then, then when I, once I heard on how I was like, Oh my God, this, this is, this band is incredible. And oh that, yeah, dude. That's still one of my top debut albums for a band on metal ever. That's such a great record.
0: It is. And I remember bringing this up to Trevor too. I was like, I remember seeing you guys at The Loft in Poughkeepsie, New York, where I grew up. It's the Chance Theater, but upstairs in this like smaller room. But it was them and Himza, And I didn't even know who the bands were. My friend was just like, hey, come to this show with me. And I'm like, who's this black dollar band? And I just remember Trevor going ape shit on stage. <laughs> you know, not like the typical death metal vocalist. And I'm just like, this dude's fucking cool. <laughs> I'm like, this band is awesome. And I was just like, from there, that's when I was hooked on Black Dahlia Murder. I was like, this band is fucking it, dude. And even like band like Whitechapel, because you guys signed them pretty much. What was that after their first record, or what? I can't
1: remember. Uh, yeah, we, he, to another one I can't remember. Mike, this is a Mike Failey one where he he oh. got in, hit in touch with him. And gotcha. So you guys don't know Mike Failey's the worked at Metal way forever.
0: Failey's yeah. the man. Yeah, he's I love awesome. him.
1: Oh. He had uh, somebody, somebody, mm. had given him, uh, whatever they, whatever was out at the time, and, and he said, "Hey, you know, uh, I heard this is really good. We should think about signing them." So I heard him. Oh, this is great. Go, go for it. So yeah, uh, he was the one that made the deal happen, and you know, just, it, it just kind of shows you too that it just so things are so crazy now. You know, bands come from anywhere. Mm. Knoxville, Tennessee, is probably the last, the place last
0: in, place you would think
1: uh, a really great metal band. Would come
0: <laughs> <from>. <laughs> Very and true. Is happened. Yeah, I found them I found them prior to them signing to Metal Blade on MySpace, of course. Yep. And I was like, damn, well, this shit's heavy as hell.
1: <laughs> They're really good. And, and the one thing that, you know, I, I stress to any you know, question I always ask is like you know, what what do you look for when you're signing a band? Like, you know, I, I, there really is no criteria for it other than uh, it's gotta be something that's different from everything else. It's, yeah. You know, I don't, because you know we'll get we get a million demos and you know 90% of them you'll sound exactly like Black Dahlia or exactly like White Chapel. <laughs> you got to kind of create your own sound and that's one thing with White Chapel they've done it really I think they've done a really good job. Of. They have their own Dude, pretty I mean, unique sound where you hear it, it's like okay that's White Chapel. We exactly. You Words know, in you know what it
0: is. Yeah, you know exactly. That band has evolved so well too.
1: Yeah, and they're continuing to evolve. The new record is is absolutely phenomenal. I can't um, wait. Uh, really love it but they're you know they're they're definitely you know breaking new ground they're they're certainly trending more in the you know the clean vocal way but but yeah i like it though in a really well done way and and, you know when they first started doing that um obviously we knew about it they were asking what do you guys think i I said like look i'm not going to tell you guys what to do what yeah yeah go for it let's just see what happens and but there's always that hesitancy and I, I give them credit for not having as much of it because you know once you kind of go down something that's a little bit different you never know how your hardcore fans are going to take it yeah and you won't their fans have been awesome I, i've been unbelievably happy with how well that stuff has gone over especially live i went to see them they played uh, this uh exit uh, 111 festival uh in uh outside of nashville tennessee oh okay first so time I, it was a pretty big festival they you know kill switch was there guns of roses and a whole bunch of big bands were playing, but you know, I went to see them and they're playing on one of the you know one of the stages, and they had I don't know, four thousand, five thousand people.
0: Jeez, there yeah.
1: And strangely enough, uh the new they played a couple new songs and they went over almost better than the old heavy stuff. I was wow. I was like, this is the first test because you know these you know a lot of these bands are their hardcore fans. Yeah. Great. So damn, uh, I like what they're doing and and uh, and the, yeah, the new record's really really great.
0: I love the recent one, the last one they put out. Some people are like, some are, "Oh, yeah, I like their heavier song. I'm like, yeah, "You listen to this record? Like every yeah. song is so good. I, I've listened to that record so fucking much, it's insane. I still go yeah. back to it from time to time. I'm like, this is such a great record."
1: Yeah, and you know, you're gonna, you're gonna, you know, you're, anytime every band loses something. Oh
0: yeah, when they,
1: when they kind of make a little bit of a pivot, that's just the natural thing. Even just fans that like, "Oh, look, them when they when they first started, now they're too big." So, whatever. <laughs> uh, like, There's always know, those. They, but for the most part, though, uh, on that last record, I thought that uh, the majority of their fans were really into it. They've obviously gained a lot of new fans, too. Yeah. What you always want to see happen, hopefully.
0: Oh, yeah. No, I saw a lot of good feedback for them.
1: Yeah. Which is, I, I thought the reaction to that last record was incredible.
0: Yeah. No, it did. It went, I feel like it went over well than a couple of their previous records before that. I feel like that one just... That one... Before that record, I, I kind of got out of White Chapel. I stopped listening to them a little. And then that record just like pulled me back in. So I'm really yeah, yeah. really stoked on their one coming up. If you like the
1: last one? You like the new one? It's definitely Good. the the next step in that in that development.
0: develop that direction. <clears throat> so signing bands like <laughs> I need to bring up Gore. How did you find Gore?
1: So there used to be well, I think it still exists, <laughs> but it's not a, it's not as metal as it used to be. There's a, a festival uh, uh, not a festival, uh, a convention called CMJ, which is a you know, college of music journal and yeah. You know, for a long time, they they had a lot of metal bands play there. So I went to I went to it. I'm I trying to remember what year it was. Now it was, it was either '88 or '89. But I went I went I was I would go every year. I was on panels and all sorts of stuff. It was really great to see you know all the radio people and whatnot. So I went there and um, I missed them. But everybody kept telling me about this band, War. Oh, you you got to see them. They're they're incredible. They they throw blood all over the all over the. the, the, the. <laughs> things say, like, oh, that sounds cool to me. I, I like that sort of stuff. Yeah. So I missed them that year that I, I, you know, they put out the first record, Hello. So I heard that and thought that was pretty cool. And then they played CMJ the next year. And I remember going and talking to my friends that I was with. And I said, if this, they were obviously amazing. Yeah. I said, if you guys are even halfway sane, I've got to work with them. I <laughs> went backstage and realized they're all, you know, college art kids from from Richmond, Virginia and all really super cool. So uh <laughs>
0: So, I didn't even um, know that about them.
1: Let's, uh, let's work. So, but yeah. they had a weird deal. They they'd just signed a, a deal with, a, um, with an English company uh, to put out Scum Dogs. Okay. So we didn't have anybody in the U.S. to do it. So we reached out to the company that, that did it. We got the rights for North America and did Scum Dogs in North America. And then that company just completely fell apart. And then we ended up signing them uh, for good after that. And it's been so much fun working with those guys. They're oh, obviously yeah. incredibly creative super fun super great people uh obviously sucks about dave brock he was i know, know a R. R. Of mine and an incredible Dude. Uh, person but yes um, he was
0: it's it's insane like how far that band has come because i've seen them geez man growing up i would see him at the chance in poughkeepsie probably like 10 times
1: <laughs> yeah i mean they're you know they're like, part of pop, pop culture and kind of legendary status and they keep doing it at a high level even after dave passed away people said what do you think they're going to do i said they'll figure it out they'll figure it out let
0: them figure it out and they did i mean
1: and luckily you know mike bishop who was in the original uh lineup of war in fact the early days if you see some of the early stuff mike actually talked more than dave did in the very early war days oh wow he was he was the original mighty yeah so he w- he had left the band because he was a, a professor at uh, I think university. One of the I think it was the University of Virginia, but he had left to be, to be a professor there. And then obviously, when the thing with Dave happened, he uh, he decided like I- I'm going to come back and uh, and uh, help these guys out.
0: And That's he, rad.
1: Great, right? and they I, they're still playing at a high level in front of a ton of people. And
0: I know they're still fucking going. So yeah, there so they, there were art. What were, you said there were just like art dudes that they were in college. Yeah, so
1: it was this weird. You, know, you had you, you had the musicians. Yeah. all of them went to school at at, at, uh, at uh, University of Virginia, I think. Okay. So you had the the and they're all <laughs> were doing art and stuff. So you had the musicians, and then they had a whole bunch of other people that were doing all the costumes and the themes and everything. So it's and they're all kind of living communally in this big yeah you know, college
0: campus community. or something. Yeah. Yeah,
1: and they just decided to kind of merge all of them together, so you had this, you know, all this crazy art stuff going on, and then with this kind of you know punk metal band, and just get, it was nothing that I'd ever seen before. Uh,
0: yeah, that's like all new, especially probably then.
1: ever seen, or even since maybe.
0: But yeah, I mean, what year was that when you saw them? You think
1: I believe it was eighty. I think it was eighty-nine. It was 89. Either or eighty-nine.
0: Yeah, there was no there. There had to be no other bands doing what they were doing.
1: Oh gosh, no! I mean, you know, since then, obviously, we've seen some bands
0: for that, you know, sure. But nothing on, I feel like nothing on their level. No way. Oh, no, I can't terrible. even think of a band.
1: I mean, there was like you know, Green Jelly for a minute,
0: okay? Yeah, you're right. Then uh, there was like some crazy band called Bail Luck 13, but they were doing some,
1: yeah, kind of, we, like, kind of dumb stuff, <laughs> kind of sort of a little bit more horror movie stuff, yeah, garage that uh, from LA that I really liked. That was really good. I'm, I'm <laughs> looking up because now it's going to drive me crazy. <laughs> no, do it.
0: See here, Hold on a hey everyone, chat bad luck 13 riot extra dude. That ban, I think they're bad luck 13 riot extravaganza, right? Yeah, they were the reason why oh, hellfest, yeah, right. they were the reason why hellfest canceled. Remember hellfest and yep, Upstate? yep, yeah, okay,
1: so yeah, so it was uh, it was definitely 89 because scum 89, so yeah, so I missed them in 88, that was when hello came out, and then mm-hmm. I saw them at 89. So, oh wow, it's crazy, mystery solved.
0: Mr. Soft. <laughs> um, so early on, like, what were there like any bands that like um, kind of like slipped through the cracks early on that you wish you signed or could have signed, but you couldn't?
1: Yeah, there's a couple. I mean, I mean, look, obviously, you know, it goes all the way back to the Metallica thing where, you know, if I had, oh, yeah. if I had any money, uh, we probably would have put out the first Metallica record. Fuck, oh, I didn't have any money. They didn't have any money. It, it's all good.
0: Yeah, yeah of course. Uh,
1: <laughs> So, uh, the other, probably the, one of the bigger ones is Guns N' Roses because they were playing around. Wow. LA and I knew their manager and I knew a lot of people had seen them and they all said, You got to go, you got to go. They're so great. They're so great. I, I just looked at the photos and thought, like, It looks like a glam band to me. I'm just not into it. So, I've never. Yeah,
0: was. it turned you away.
1: And then, of course, Appetite comes out. I'm like, Oh my God, this is like one of the most amazing <laughs> So we, uh, we actually ended up doing a lot of marketing promotion on that because uh, at the time, all the, none of the majors had anybody doing any of that stuff. So we did like all the underground kind of marketing to all the metal college stations and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. So later on, I went to a, a seventh son of a seventh son by our maiden listening party. Oh. And uh, that was the first time I met Slash. Somebody, somebody introduced me and, you know, it was like, oh, cool. on it. And so we started we started t- hanging out and uh, having quite a few uh, adult beverages <laughs> towards the end of the night. Yeah he said he said, How come you never came to see us when we were playing in LA? And I said, I thought you guys were a glam band and I didn't like that sort of stuff. He's like, I hate that people thought that. I go, Oh yeah, man. Me too.
0: Yeah, I wish I didn't think that. <laughs> I mean, or you you...
1: Know, I mean, I don't know. We were, you know, maybe we could have put out an EP or something, but yeah. And then the other the, the other big one was uh, was Pantera. So I had oh, known those guys. Man you know, prior to Phil being in the bank, is I used to do a, a show on Z-Rock in Dallas, which was kind of this nationwide... Oh, really? ...metal radio stations. Do a that I just show there like, once a month for a few hours. Oh, okay. And those guys would always call in and go, hey, you we're know, Pat Tara. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, so
0: they, they would call people. in.
1: Oh, yeah. And their early stuff was, you know, not quite what they were then. But no. anyway, they... Uh, so I was really good friends with their managers because they were concrete management, concrete mm. studio foundation forum. And we actually had... Uh, our first New York office was actually in part of their office. So I knew those guys really well and they were managing Pantera gotcha. and they came to me and said, Hey, you know, we've recorded this album, Cowboys from Hell. Uh, would you be interested in putting it out? And so I listened to it and thought, Oh my God, this is amazing for sure. Yeah. But they needed a lot of money because I guess they had somehow they had gotten a, a lot of financing to make a record. And so they needed a lot of money and it was just a little, probably a little too rich for, for me at the time. Yeah. I uh, passed on it and uh, oh, whoops. Man. Whoops! <laughs> <laughs> but,
0: yeah, exactly. That the one. Other,
1: the other, the only other one that was uh, kind of funny is, is whoa. What? Sorry.
0: Oh, no, it's okay. Is that a uh, the plane?
1: Blue, you know, the Blue Angels, the, the airplane. Yeah. Thing, they just flew right over my uh, my condo here. Right? Holy so, shit! <laughs> Yeah, uh, so that's that's they, fucking they, wrong. They, they, They're based out here, so every once in a while we'll see them.
0: Really? That's so rad.
1: You see like a zillion planes like all next to each other going a zillion miles an hour. Like, well, Holy crap. crap! Anyway, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's rad. Oh, I should have turned the computer on. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so the other only, only other one was Volby. Volby, where, uh, yeah. A good friend of mine uh, over in Europe said, "Hey." uh he was tour managing somebody, and he said, "Hey, this band opened for us called Volbeat. Here's their demo. It's, I think it's really good." Yeah, he said it to me. I, I thought it was amazing. I, I thought this is great. Sent it to, around all the staff, and they all, every single one of them said, "No, we're not. No, 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 no." Everybody else didn't want to do it. So, you know, I mean, I, you know, if they're not into it, they it's not a good idea to do it. So, we, yeah. Uh, and then my uh, my good friend Ed over at Mascot picked it up and. Uh, and sold many, many, many records. Hey,
0: many, many, many.
1: So now, if there's a band that I want to sign that that everybody else is kind of iffy on, they'll remember Volby.
0: Yeah, remember guys. Yeah. So. Remember I, what happened? You
1: know, <laughs> all that's you know, all that stuff is what it is. I mean, you you can't get everything you want. Nah, you can't. Went on and did fine. It would be a different thing if you know if, if you didn't sign something and did it didn't work out. Right?
0: Exactly, and I'm sure like. That's like your thing at the label is like, even if you do find a band, like someone finds a band, everyone has to really agree on it for the yeah. most part.
1: Yeah, you have to, because, you know, unless the,
0: you're like, I am signing this band. <laughs> Remember what happened time. with Volbeat?
1: <laughs> yeah, a couple of times that happened. But yeah, for the most part, you want to have everybody involved in it because if, if they're not into it, then, you know,
0: it's not gonna get the. I
1: mean, you can motivate them, and they'll do stuff because they, you know, they that's their their gate, But you want everybody to, to be involved, and everybody works at the label. We're all huge metalheads anyway, so exactly it's not that hard for everybody to be on the same page.
0: Yeah, no, it's the same with me, and I've told bands this, and managers or everyone like, hey, like listen, if I'm like really, really into the band, like 110, percent I am down to work it. You know, I'm down to work with them. i you know, and all that. But if I'm not like 110, like I'm not feeling it you know, I I can't, I can't do it. You know, please don't get mad at me, but it's better this way. You want somebody on the team that is just like full in loves the music, loves the band and is going to put their all into it. Because if not, you're not going to do that great with it. And I, I've made that mistake in the past with band, you know, manager be like, yo, just pick them up. Like telling you about, you know, hyping them up, whatever. And uh, I'm like, all right. It's just like, then I realized like, man, I didn't, I couldn't do my job to the full extent. So you got to have everyone on board 100%. Yep.
1: That's
0: what I tell everyone. I'm like, don't. And I, I've told people, I'm like, listen, don't pressure me to do this. I'm not going to change my mind. <laughs> and
1: then, You know, I, I think, you know, that's kind of the response that we have, too. You know, we, we have everyone has got to be on board with it. I mean, it kind of sucks when you have to, you
0: know, turn. I know. Like, I don't want to turn people. in like I, you know, it's like, yeah, it's good. But I'm like, it's not my thing. That's not feeling it.
1: Exactly. But
0: that's just how it is. So I had uh some questions from a few of my mods here on Twitch that moderate my channel and are always here. Big supporters and I love them. Thank you guys. Uh Steph asked, What's what's your favorite part of running a label, you think?
1: Uh probably, you know, the interaction with, with all the the with just all the people in it in the in the scene really. Just going to shows, you know, I've been able to go to a lot of shows and uh you know, just I love meeting you know new bands, new people, new fans, that sort of stuff. So just the interaction with all the other fans, and 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 probably probably that, and really the, the the most fun thing for me, and the reason why I'm still doing this now is just I love you know signing a band and turning that band on to other people, and have them have them do well, be successful. Yeah ultimately this it just kind of goes back to where I worked when I worked at the record store I would I would just turn all these people on all these new bands coming from Europe and It it's just it's just fun to turn people on to
0: yeah like, gets you excited it's like oh yeah. man i could just, cool. yeah.
1: and that's by far the most fun part.
0: yeah that has to be is it um how <laughs> it has to be it, it, like this far into like running a label do you feel like burnt out at all or you're just like still in it
1: no i, I, I love i'm still it. super excited about it that's I, great I it. I, no it's totally- I mean, it's funny, though. I, I always was before this was like, can we just press? I would like to press pause for just like a <laughs> month. Just give me a month so I could kind of chill out. And of course, little did I know, it was going to be like a year. Uh. <laughs>
0: yeah, but you still had stuff going on, but probably not. I don't know. Yeah, was it?
1: I'm still, I'm still super, in. I'm still super in. I'm so excited about the whole thing. Like, you know, it, you see all these other labels selling to com- major companies and stuff, and that's just something that I'm not, I'm not going to do. Not you thing. Yeah. There's no reason to, I, I don't, you know, money's not a big motivator for me and I, I'm motivated to be able to do whatever I want to do. I've had friends that have sold their companies, you know, not even just record companies, other companies to big corporations. And, you know, they got a lot of money, but now all of a sudden, if they end, but they've got to stay on and run it for the next five years now if they want to do something, they got to ask some guys. Someone higher up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I wouldn't.
0: Know. I wouldn't want to do that either. That's why I think like I've, I've said it a lot, too, is that like I love working with who I work with, like the agency I work with, like Stefan and Mauricio, because it's like I do have a lot of freedom and they trust everything that I do. You know, I, we never it's been like seven years, never gone to an argument before, literally never argued before, and they never question anything. Sometimes they'll question a lineup idea I bring to them, but they'll come back with suggestions and and why they're questioning it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying?
1: That's the way it works. Yeah. I mean, I, don't, I I can't remember the last time I argued with anybody yet. Yeah. <laughs> or even any of the bands.
0: Right? Yeah, I can't even I yeah, I don't even I can't even recall the last time I argued with a band.
1: Every once in a while, the only time I'll ever argue with a band is is that is over which song should be the you know the emphasis songs because a lot of times bands yeah yeah so close to it they don't get it and i'll hear a song I'll be like oh my gosh the song is the song
0: this is the one yeah eh, i
1: don't really, I don't really. <laughs> you know uh, i think the the best story about that that i could tell is that uh, when twilight of the thunder god was coming out by amanomar if i got the the, you know, the finished masters yeah in sequence, and, and Twilight was like the eighth song on the record. And this is back when sequencing was big, because you know, you had a lot of vinyl, and really mm-hmm. the eighth song out of, a, out of a ten or eleven song record, it's kind of that's the, the song, sort of the throwaway song. You know, yeah, yep. And I said, True. I, I was, I was like, this record's amazing, but you guys have to, this has to be the lead track. This is the best song you guys have ever done. Like, really, really, you think so? And I, I remember the guy who was running our our European company at the time, Michael Trenger. Rest in peace. Who was also a, a massive part of, him, of the Montmartre thing? He was like, nope, 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 nope. That sounds not that good. The other songs are better. I go, Why are you guys crazy?
0: But the band, <laughs> yeah, luckily, the band decided.
1: Sure? We ended up putting it first on the record. Of course, now it's their, you know, biggest biggest song ever. Basically.
0: Oh thank God! You told them that. <laughs> you pushed for that.
1: It's just, yeah, it's definitely. But they, you know, it, it wasn't really even an argument. It was just more. Really, like, yeah. Do this, and and luckily they did it.
0: Yeah, they were just like, okay. We'll do it. <laughs> what are like uh, another mod of mine, Josh, he asked, what are some up and coming bands you're into that are maybe not on metal blade? Are there any?
1: Um, i trying to think. <laughs> well, I mean, one of, one of them is uh, you wearing the t-shirt power Trip.
0: power trip. Yes.
1: Great. Uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully things work out well for them. Now, so.
0: I hope so. Art, yeah. I think so. I'm sad, sad about, about Riley.
1: Them. I think they'll be good. I think so. Yeah, I like that a lot. Um, I'm trying to think. Lately, I've been so ensconced because we have so many records coming out now. The band's in the studio, so they have nothing else to do.
0: There's a lot. I even went through my roster to see, like, I was going down the list and marking, like, who's going to have new records out. Because I've been having, like, phone calls for, like, weeks with my, like, bands I work with just to see what they have coming up, you know? And I counted over 40. And I was like, oh, my God.
1: Yeah, there's so much. Another band I really like is The Contortionist. I think they're super cool. Incredible band, yeah. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stuff. I mean, dude, I there's know, tons of I shit. Mean, look, there's if you look at any you know labels roster of up and coming bands. I mean, it's hard to find any that aren't good.
0: Honestly, yeah, there's so many good bands coming out now. It's hard to even like stay up to date with them or yeah. keep track of them. I should say.
1: Code Orange is great. Yes. You know, it's, there's, there's just uh, that's what really makes me ha- happy about the whole scene. Is I think you know people ask me, what do you think the health is of the scene right now? So I mean, might be healthier than ever. I mean, there's so many great bands. I think the same, so man. Varieties of genre, and also the big bands are still operating at really high levels. So it, it's, yeah. a, it's. I think it's a great time for metal right now,
0: dude. It really is, and I, I've even said the thing, same thing to uh, other people. I'm like, this is like. Honestly, right now and it's been happening for a little bit now, for a few years now, it's like metal is like crushing it in my opinion. And like there's so many <clears throat> newer bands coming out that are like just so sick. Like I found this band uh from I think they're from the UK called uh I think I'm pronouncing it right. Hirot Hirot Hero. I don't know. It's H E R I O T. I'm terrible at pronouncing certain band <laughs> names but anyway i found them because of my friend bees who actually streams on here his name is mosh talks on twitch and uh he made a post about him on his instagram I'm like who's this band i'm like i gotta go check them out my like, damn this band is fucking killer it's kind of like code orange a little bit and i was just like this is fucking great and like they're just br- pretty much a brand new band and i'm like it was just well, the- endless
1: won't be mad at me, but I'll give a little plug to my friends over at give me radio. They're going to be mad shows there where they, uh, you know, highlight a bunch of new bands. And yes. I'll, 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 and every once in a while, I go in and listen to them. Oh my gosh, there's so much good stuff out there. It's
0: crazy. It is. It's so hard to keep up. Olivia another great band. Kev Moeller and uh, Wes and whatnot. a Great band on nuclear blast. There's a lot of new shit coming out. That's just, it's so hard to fucking keep up. <laughs> uh, another question i had was what advice what advice would you give to someone who wants to start a record label uh
1: well first of all do it for the do it for the love of of the music number first and foremost and and be in love with the music because it's not just like any company it's not easy to to run something um, but if you really love the music and really want to do it i i I would say absolutely go ahead and do it of course a couple things you would want to do is number one uh if you don't have a business background. Read a book or two or three on how to run a business. You know, yes, just all that sort of stuff. Because because I think what a lot of people fail to realize sometimes, and you know, look, I, I'm I made every mistake possible going into this because I didn't know what I was doing. I was just a dumb kid. And I, really <laughs> made every possible. But I, I think I learned from a lot of those. Yes, um, but you do you do it as a business, and you have to have a business background. You have to know how royalties work. You have to know how. you know the distribution works and you have to know Mm -hmm. how just general accounting and and business works so if you can do that and kind of have that uh get that background done where you have at least a a, i guess a rudimentary uh uh knowledge of how that works then then, Mm -hmm. but do it because you know all of us old guys out here uh you know i mean all the labels you know blast and oh yeah and i've seen we've been doing this for a long time and and, yeah we're we going to continue to do it for a long time. You know, I, I'm all for you know we we need the the, the next level of, of labels coming up, and there's a lot of really cool ones out there that uh, I, you know I'm hoping will we'll continue to, to to rise up and and be you know be more labels because there's a lot of there's a lot of good bands and you know dude you know, there some is part, with some of these other labels selling out to the majors. You know, I don't know what their future really holds as far as you know kind of being an independent
0: label. Yeah, I know, but yeah, no, you're right. Definitely read up get good, <laughs> get some knowledge first,
1: or, you know, whatever you need to do. But I, I, I highly encourage anybody to, that wants to do it, to do it, but you know, it's not easy. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, just like any business not easy, but if you really love the music and, and that's why you're doing it, then, you know, you'll get through all the, the pitfalls of what happens when, you know, starting and running a business.
0: Yes. No, that's definitely some good advice. Um, had an interesting question from Paul, <clears throat> when a band speaks out, with demands or threats against the label, how how would you and the staff at Metal Blade handle a situation like this?
1: It's well, obviously <laughs> you know, we would go to the band first and foremost, and, and say, you know, what what what's, what's wrong? wrong? What's yeah, you know, how, how can we fix it? What can yes. we do to make it better? Uh, you know, luckily I, I don't know we ever really had those sort of things. but obviously I can't recall. Band, yeah, it, uh, it's always a, a, a give and take sort of thing, but. Uh, you know we've never really had any real issues with with any bands like that but i i i I see i know what he's referencing and it's yeah it's a that's a really tough issue um it is i I would and and for whatever reason clearly the the relationship hasn't worked out yet so uh for whatever reason but we would always go to the band and sit down or the management or, or all of the above yeah and say like look what can we do because look ultimately fr- from my point of view is, is you know we don't want anybody unhappy on the label or, or no exactly you know i would be the first one to say like you know look if you want to you're not happy here go and, and we've had this situation uh, it wasn't the, the bands weren't happy but you know somebody else offered you know, both war and fate's warning got offered a ton of money to go and, and i was the first one to say certainly in the war situation I mean, they got out with so much money. You know, I go. I mean, I don't blame you if you guys take this. <laughs> yeah, it's like way uh, too, way too good. And yeah, know, sudden, these bands eventually all came came back to us. But uh, yeah, but yeah, it's a tough situation. But it, it, it is. Yeah, like that you have to sit down and work it out. Uh, That's. It really sucks that we get into a uh, you know, public thing.
0: Yeah, I know. That's why even like I tell bands I work with, like even when I'm picking up a band, like we're you know agreeing on working together or whatnot. I'm always like, listen, if there's anything. Uh, I do or say or there's something you're not happy with at all, like anything at all. Just please don't like be afraid to call me or email me, text me and be like, hey, Dan, like we we need to have a talk, you know, Uh, talk about things like don't be scared to do these things, because like I want I want us all to be on the same page. I want everyone to be happy. And if there's something that you're not happy about, you got to tell me, you know, and I you know, it really bumps me out when, you know, when I tell them this, like, it, it'll really bum me out big time. Like if, you know, one day you just like fire me and then tell me what you're unhappy about when you could have told me that prior <laughs> and then maybe we could have solved it or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah. and I think, you know, we, we try to be, you know, I mean, luckily for us, you know, we, we try to uh, vet out the bands, you know, best possible talking them first and just kind of seeing what kind of, you know people they are and how they relate to everybody, so that's pretty easy. But yeah, we, we wouldn't we want everybody happy and we try to make it a real you know familial kind of atmosphere at Metal Blade. So yes, it's, it's rare that that happens, but you know it's happened. It, you know it's a bummer that it happened, but that's yeah. what we definitely sit down and talk to them.
0: No, definitely. <laughs> but yeah, no, definitely, man. Well, Brian, thank you so much for today. This has been great to learn more about you, more about Metal Blade. Um, I'm really excited for your next book um that's really all i had no idea you're going to do another book but why the fuck not right
1: yeah well you know
0: i, I think that's I, awesome
1: another book, but uh the response <laughs> to the first one was so like i said i really blown away by 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 how great it was and everybody the two things everybody's kind of complained about like, it's a complaint uh was it's too short i <laughs> uh, didn't want to make it really long i wanted to be an easy yeah I and like the other that. one uh, was that they wanted more in- from, like more in-depth information, especially on like like more obscure bands. Oh. So the second book is a lot talking about a lot of the more obscure bands that that we've had over the years, and just a little bit more of a story on them, like you know, Fast like, like, and Savage and Hell is Eve and, and Cryptic Slaughter and a bunch of stuff, and then you know, just okay. more in-depth stuff on on you know my relationship with like you know, State's Morning and Offered Saint and Metallica, and just you know, kind of kind of a, from, you know, fan point of view, uh, just, you know, cool times you'd have with them and just kind of going through a little bit of their, their careers too.
0: Oh, that's rad. So you'll see that being released by maybe end of this year, or early next year.
1: At the end of the year. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, we're already in May, so we'll see. Cause I, I kind of want to do it before the, the 40th, but who knows? We'll, we'll <laughs> we're all just yeah. kind of, you know, waking up to, to everything coming, coming back on, on, on and around now. So yeah, exactly. So we'll see.
0: Awesome, dude, and definitely can't wait for New Rivers of Nile coming out this year. So good, so, so good. good. <laughs> ben and the guys sent me it like a month ago, and I was like, "Holy shit, you guys did it again!"
1: Yeah, they're they're awesome. They're think, they're one of the bands that we're, we're super excited about because yeah. you know,
0: same seemed, dude. For no
1: reason, it, t- it seems to take forever to, for bands to kind of really get to that level of really kind of getting to the next one. But they're they're right on the cusp of it. So.
0: I think they are. I think they're going to be like the next one. I'm hoping, crossing my fingers, knocking on wood. Every day, dude. Every day, I'm like, this. Come on, guys. (laughs) We got this. But again, thank you so much, Brian. Have a good rest of your day. And thanks uh, for having me. Always fun. Yes, everyone, go pick up his book if you haven't, and uh, go buy every single Metal Blade Records record, (laughs) please. (laughs) But anyway, we'll hope to hang out with you soon this year. Hopefully, we'll cross paths. Yeah, hopefully,
1: we will actually see people soon.
0: I know, right? It's gonna be fucking great. Awesome, dude. Well, I'll let you go. Have a good rest of your day.
1: You you got that. Thanks so much. Take care. Take care, everybody. Bye.